0: Welcome to another trip down the bourbon road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back.
1: Hey listeners, just a quick reminder that the bourbon road has been selected as a finalist in the People's Choice Awards on Discover Pods. We would love to have your vote, and we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you. So just go to thebourbonroad.com slash vote, click on the link, and follow the instructions from there. We'd love to have your vote. We appreciate your support, and thank you so much for uh, believing in us and voting for us.
2: Hey, I'm Mike Hyde, and you're listening to The Bourbon Road. So, traveling down through the Kentucky roads this morning, um, the fog was rolling across Taylorsville Lake as I crossed the bridges there. We crossed over the Bluegrass Parkway, headed south a little while through Lincoln's hometown of Springfield, Kentucky. And uh, do you ever guess where I went to? I ended up at Maker's Mark. Pretty much the home of weeded bourbon. They don't make anything else here. And I'm lucky enough to have on today um, some of that family. Rob Samuels. Bourbon, bourbon, I guess, royalty, really?
0: Well, we're proud of the legacy. We love that people travel great distance today to come see us, but uh, we honor my grandparents who had created Maker's Mark just over 65 years ago. I actually have the property deed on my desk and can show it to you where they paid $28,000 in 1952 for hundreds and hundreds of acres. And while I love that you appreciated the drive down through, and I love the mornings, the sun rises in, this, in the community here. Um, it just takes my breath away and I still can never get enough of that. But um, they started here as a hobby and he had come from a long line of whiskey makers, but they didn't really have a commercial ambition or a commercial sort of direction. It was truly could he um, could he create a a different style of bourbon?
2: Well, they definitely created a style for me. Um, You know, I, I am the hashtag king or weedy king of Kentucky, right? I love weeded bourbon, everything weeded bourbon, the history of it. Um, I love the stories about your family, y- your grandmother cooking bread and saying, hey, which one tastes better? Um, the story about her throwing your dad's uh, kind of school projects outside <laughs> to to create the red wax, right? In a chicken fryer.
0: And we still have that actual deep fryer. (laughs) She demonstrated to my grandfather this idea of celebrating the handmade values of his handmade bourbon. She actually picked up a few bottles, would demonstrate hand dipping in red wax and the tendrils and what the individuality of each bottle would represent in celebration of his founding handmade vision. And it was interesting. All the stories that I heard were that they almost never disagreed about anything. But I think in that moment he, I don't necessarily understood exactly what she was trying to convey with hand dipping bottles. And he, he actually challenged her. And it was in that moment that she reminded him as classmates who between the two of them actually graduated first in the class. Now and, that, it, and it wasn't him.
2: They had the chemist chemistry backgrounds. Right. So it wasn't like they didn't know what they were doing.
0: Well, you know, when I looking back, they complimented each other so beautifully I mean, truly, if you've ever met a craftsman or a craftswoman, they're only usually ever interested in whatever it is they're making. And that was true to who he was. So when they settled here, our family had made whiskey for 160 years prior to the creation of what would become known as Maker's Mark. And fundamentally, my grandfather wanted to go as far away from sort of the legacy of American whiskey being a little harsh, a little abrasive, almost test of manhood. They actually torched the legacy family whiskey that we had produced for 160 years in this brass bucket that's here in this very conference room, but he, you know, he was a patient, uh, patient person. He had broken down each and every step of the whiskey making process. Every single decision was influenced by the flavor vision that he had for this very soft, rich, full flavored, balanced bourbon—a cast strength whiskey straight out of the barrel that that wouldn't blow your ears off with bitterness. And then my grandmother, Margie, did everything else. She designed this distillery to be the soul of the brand. She's in many uh in many circles, she's actually credited with inventing bourbon tourism because distilleries had never really formally begun to host guests. And then she she designed the bottle, created the name, which which has never changed. Well, it's it's a stunning distillery.
2: If you've never been here, listeners, if you've never been down to Maker's Mark. Now, you just can't throw a stone down the road and get here. It's going to be some twists and some turns and a nice slow drive. You can roll your window down, get that nice Kentucky breeze in. You might be able to smell Mm -hmm. the uh, corn being harvested this time of year. Um,
0: You know, they were purposeful. Like, why why would anyone choose to build anything this far off the beaten path? But they chose this site because of nature. And today, the Maker's Mark Distillery sits on – a 1300 acre working farm and they chose this site because of our spring fed lake which is still to this day our exclusive water source for all of the production inside the distillery so literally at the bottom of this 14 acre spring fed lake is a pipe that goes into the basement of the distillery and not only do we own our own water source but we own our all of our watersheds so we manage almost 750 acres as a nature preserve and water sanctuary. Now is that, that's Birch Springs. It's actually, it's a spring fed lake that's just beyond the boundaries of the heart of our distillery campus. And, uh, and then all of the watershed that actually influences the lake, including the, the 30 springs that feed the lake, are here are here on this property. Wow! And it's, you know, when we think about the future, even within whiskey circles, I'm not sure folks recognize as often as we should that bourbon whiskey is an agricultural product. And are we doing everything we should be doing and could be doing to preserve nature and how nature influences the whiskey for the next, the next generation of whiskey makers? Yeah, that's true about
2: the agricultural part of it. Not only that as part of the forestry too, when you take the barrel in it and then you take steel rings into it too, that I would think probably come out of the, uh, steel mines, you know, the iron mines up in Minnesota. So true American spirit, you know, you take the wood, you Mm -hmm. take the grain, you take the steel, you put all that together and you come out with something very beautiful in a glass. Now in front of us, I see some of that brown water sitting in front of us. What did you pour for us today?
0: I poured the embodiment of my grandparents' taste vision, which is cast strength makers, Mark. Um, You know, when they settled here on this location, guided by this vision to create a soft, rich, full-flavored, balanced bourbon, a bourbon that would have layers of texture, some baking spices, but would not have the traditional bitterness. And each and every step of the process that we employ today is exactly as it was in the very beginning, starting with that natural spring-fed lake as our water source. We grind our grain with a roller mill, which is horribly inefficient, but it allows us to get to the starches without scorching the grain, Slow cook. We still propagate our Samuels family yeast strain here on site. And then to my knowledge, if not the only one of the small handful of distilleries in the world that actually rotates barrels through the maturation process. So we have a team of almost 35 people. Most all they do through the year is actually move those barrels through the maturation process to ensure consistency over time. Well, heck, let's taste this. Okay. Well, we're actually, cheers, cheers. Cheers. We're actually in the room where my grandfather would, uh, you know, in the beginning, he was the tasting panel. And today we have 25 individuals on our tasting panel, 18 women, seven men. Our average batch size is 22 to 23 barrels through each and every step of the process. But our tasting panel... We'll check in and taste a little bit out of each batch almost five times before we bottle. So we're drinking 110.6 proof. And what's the mash bill? The mash bill for Maker's Mark has never changed. 70% corn, 16% soft red winter wheat, and 14% malted barley. All of the corn and the wheat we source from within 30 to 45 miles of the distillery. Maker's Mark goes in the barrel to 110 proof. Um and this this rolled out at 110.6. Such a beautiful
2: nose on this. Mm. Just floral it's almost a caramel bomb inside there, too. It just is uh coming out with those floral notes. I always get that honeysuckle on a backcountry road. Uh, I know our listeners like can you think of another floral note? But that's really what I get. Um, and then maybe some kettle corn from a fair on this. The oak is definitely there.
0: And how long did you let this age? Since since the very beginning, Maker's Mark on average has been between five years, nine months, and seven and a half years old. So one of the one of the primary responsibilities of our tasting panel, given the variability through the seasons and the intensity of the summer through the center, the seasons into the colder months of the winter. Um, Our tasting panel tells us when it's time to bring Maker's Mark out of the barrel. So our age statement, while we don't have a traditional age statement, is fully mature. But on average, since the founding, about six years and a quarter.
2: I'm getting a little bit of Heath bar on this. Mm. That toffee Mm -hmm. inside there, a little bit of chocolate. Um, If it had some crunch to it, which maybe the spice of this, um, would be that crunch. You got that total package in a Heath bar inside a glass of a beautiful bourbon.
0: I really, you know, when I um, enjoy Maker's Mark celebrating the baking spices that are within each glass, um, there's a, we don't chill filter and have never chill filtered. So you can, I get a lot of the viscosity and the weight that you would look for while not um, pushing the flavor and the taste range to the very back of the palate, which is where we all taste bitterness. I don't get that bitterness, really. No. Um, I get that. The viscosity
2: you're talking about, the oiliness of the stuff, the complexity of this bourbon. And as you sip on it, you get a little bit of something out of every sip. You are talking about baking spices. I get a little bit of that clove in there. You know, that that right there, a little bit of cinnamon. It's like everything is a perfect package in Maker's Mark. Um, I know we, our listeners, some of them are giant fans. One of them knew we were coming down here today. He's like, can I go with you? <laughs> And I said, no, I'll bring my wife with me this time.
0: (laughs) Well, let's have them next time. We love sharing what we do with our friends. Um, Some beautiful whiskey. Now,
2: you told me before we started that you actually stepped away from the distillery as a young man, uh, went to college, and went and learned the business somewhere else.
0: I had, you know, I was afforded the opportunity and was encouraged by both my father, Bill Samuels Jr., and my grandparents to, to work here alongside our team during the summers. I lived with my grandparents in Bardstown, and I cherish those memories where I had the opportunity to work every single position in the distillery, even with print and hand tear labels here on site, hand dip bottles, was even a tour guide for a period of time. But living the industry, Um, Was something I always cherish while at the same time, after I graduated from university, I'll never forget it because I was very nervous about the idea of asking my father for a job. And, you know, he actually encouraged me to get outside the shadows of Maker's Mark and outside the shadows of Kentucky to find out if I truly love the industry, because It's a very different idea to think about having an affection for something that the family had created and sort of respecting the family legacy. But do you want to make it your life's work is a very different question. And I, you know, I really enjoyed the idea of getting outside uh, Maker's Mark, working at a different company in our same industry. And what I proved to myself was that I do have, you know, I love this industry and wanted to commit to it for my entire career. And, you know, I never wanted my father to feel like he had to hire his son. So my goal was to be in, was to be invited back, which finally happened uh, after working for this other company for 11 years.
2: Now, your family, you you'd said before that, you know, they had a rich history in bourbon um, and a lot of people wouldn't tie that some of the families together. But T.W. Samuels. He would be your, I guess, would it be your four, go-
0: four great-grandfather? Our family has made whiskey for hundreds and hundreds of years. We actually trace our lineage all the way back to Samuel, Scotland, which I've been to. My dad and I visited uh, Samuel, Scotland in the late 1980s, very much a rural, a small rural farming community. And we know that our family had distilled from grain as far back as the late 1500s, migrating to this country, settling first in Pennsylvania in um in the late 1600s. And they brought with them their knowledge for farming and their passion for distilling. And many, you know, many farmers at that time would distill the, the still was almost a piece of, a piece of farm equipment. Uh, my namesake, Robert Samuels, we have documentation where he actually made whiskey for Washington's revolutionary army in the late 1700s. And it was that very 60 gallon still that his son, Robert would, would bring when he left, Pennsylvania after the Whiskey Rebellion and he settled on a land grant in 1774 and it was just a handful of years later when much of Virginia much of that area of Virginia would become the Commonwealth of Kentucky and we've made whiskey ever since so um, here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky I'm actually the eighth generation of the Samuels involved with making whiskey
2: that's a pretty neat that you can trace your lineage back that far and look at it as far as bourbon goes from that, probably the first people to pour whiskey into a um, barrel and age it because Rob Samuels back in the day, wasn't pouring whiskey in a barrel. They were just making it and giving it to soldiers as a ration. Right. Um,
0: That's right. I mean, even, even, uh, In the early days of the T.W. Samuels brand, the whiskey was made on site at the distillery and taverns and saloons would be provided a decanter and they would fill fill the decanter directly from the barrel. We had at one point uh, of more than a century, we had two distilleries in what is today Samuels, Kentucky, and my grandparents who had met at university, they they uh, upon graduating would would work with my great-grandfather leslie samuels and build a new distillery on the site of the tw samuels distillery And all the documentation i've seen would suggest it was the fifth distillery to reopen after prohibition was repealed and together my grandparents and great-grandfather led the tw samuels distillery coming out of prohibition for more than a decade and you know i just think while they were respectful of a family legacy, they saw the T.W. Samuels brand in many ways for what it was. There was there was very little connoisseurship or refinement at that time in American whiskey and bourbon, and they didn't believe in it. So at that time, they were actually living on Whiskey Row, Third Street in Bardstown. Um, we're living next to the Beams, the the many titans of the industry were their closest friends, and I do think there was almost a sense of disappointment or an expectation that they needed to uphold the family name and make the family whiskey. But they, they chose to move in a different direction just because they wanted to be a part of something that they believed in.
2: Now, a lot of people don't know that T W Samuels was the high sheriff uh, in the county, right?
0: Three time high sheriff of, uh, of Nelson County. And um, so he was, he was a distiller. he, had a working farm of almost eighteen thousand acres, and he was he was the uh, three time high sheriff. My great grandfather was actually, in addition to being a whiskey maker, he was uh, the mayor of Bardstown.
2: So your your history is here. There's nowhere else to go, really. Um, you know, your family's name is respected. You're respected throughout the bourbon culture and community. Um, you know, it's almost—I'm in amazement to even be sitting in this room because you know I walk in here and there's uh, there's wheat all over the place mm-hmm. in here, uh, different varieties of
0: wheat. There's um, this is our one and only conference room at the distillery. This is it, and this is this is where it all started. This is where my grandparents would uh, would make their vision a reality. He would sit at this very table and taste his whiskey over time. Once he had broken down each and every step of the process, they placed the first barrels in the warehouse in 1953, and then they, that they would wait. And my dad actually shared with me not too long ago a piece of bourbon trivia. I've not gone back to actually validate it, but he's usually right. But coming out of Prohibition between the, the mid-1930s all the way up to 1990 how many new distilleries, new licensed distilleries were created here in Kentucky. And, you know, you read about new ones almost every day today. I think there's nearly 70 licensed distilleries that are operating here in Kentucky today. But p- between the 1930s and 1990, I think there was only one. And it was uh, it was Maker's Mark. And there was this this really awesome moment of almost recognizing that the founding vision for what would become Maker's Mark was responsible for so much more than creating one brand. And Food and & Wine Magazine, it was about 18 months ago, they brought together this group of whiskey lovers and whiskey writers, brand uh, brand owners, master distillers. And that group, that small group of really credible um, whiskey leaders ranked what they viewed to be the 25 most important brands of bourbon that have that have ever been made. And all but two recognized Maker's Mark. And it was, it's so ironic that you have someone in my grandfather who was not commercial. He never had a business ambition, um, but he ended up in many ways helping change the future of what bourbon would become as a category.
2: Well, he definitely stood out to me. He took weeded bourbon, might've been not lost at the time, but it definitely... It already had a name, right? Um, A lot of people know Pappy Van Winkle, but before that, W.L. Weller, um, the giants of weeded bourbon. Mm -hmm. And he placed himself and your grandmother uh, right next to them, truthfully. Um, And he really did become the um, weedy king of Kentucky. I always say I am cause I drink so much of it, but he really was uh, innovative at the time and saying, Hey, I got this product I want to start it out. And you could walk into any bar in the world pretty much.
0: Today, we look back and you do see maker's mark on back bars from here and here in Kentucky through, um, through the country and even starting to, there's real demand and interest outside Kentucky and outside, uh, the U S but this was a floundering brand for many, many years. I mean, they had waited several years for those first barrels to mature over time. They never sourced whiskey, so they patiently waited for their own bourbon to age over time, which is which is quite unique. Keeneland Racecourse purchased the very first six cases of Maker's Mark that were ever sold. Really? So to many of us here in Kentucky, Keeneland is the cultural uh, epicenter of thoroughbred racing. And Keeneland purchased the very first uh, six cases, and I think even today, Keeneland for a single location purchases more Maker's Mark than any account anywhere in the world. And they're only open what seven seven weeks a year. We'll be there. We'll be there on Saturday, and look forward to that. But um, we, this was a floundering brand, and were it not for Kentuckians, so here in the in the home of bourbon, thankfully Kentuckians were open to the idea of a more elevated a bourbon and were it not for Kentucky Kentuckians Maker's Mark never would have survived because the market was in a very different place at that time the market had its rightful place on the bottom shelf but there was this this pivotal moment for us when the Wall Street Journal center column front page would tell the story in the early 1980s of this quirky little distillery in Marion County Kentucky that goes against the grain to make its mark And the wall street journal said maker's mark is a model of purposeful inefficiency which is exactly the way our founders thought about everything their goal was never to be the biggest or the most efficient their guiding light was all this rich full flavored taste profile and then to express those values of what handmade would mean to their vision through the expression of printing and hand tearing labels hand dipping bottles and the human full sensory engagement through each step of the process.
2: To step back for a second. For some of our listeners out there across the world, across the United States, if you don't know what Keeneland is, Keeneland is over in Lexington, Kentucky. It is, to me, one of the grandest racetracks. Even though you've got Churchill Downs set in the center of downtown Louisville with houses all the way around and stuff, Keeneland in Lexington is surrounded by fields and fields and fields of uh, green Kentucky bluegrass, um, just a beautiful race. It was a big,
0: bold vision. Keeneland was actually created, um, in, during the depths of the depression by some of the really notable horse legacy horse racing families in Kentucky, and they wanted to elevate what it would mean for experience in horse racing, um, in Kentucky. And, and I think there's so many parallels with, with Makers Mark beyond Keeneland being our very first customer. They we were ahead of our time by many, many years that just consumers um, weren't interested in 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 a more premium experience. And thankfully, that started to change in the early eight, 1980s. And we credit we credit professional bartenders and leading chefs from some of the most famous restaurants that thankfully, over time, would seek out um, ingredients and items that had had more flavor, more character. Um, and since then we've sold every single drop we've had available every single year since the 1980s
2: well is it the red wax that everybody sees you can see it about a mile away when you see it on a bar shelf and you're like you're trying to think hey what bourbon would I like to try and that red wax just keeps kind of drawing you back it's like come here come here give me a taste and i'll show you some magic and i'll tell you what um you poured me a big old healthy pour of this makers mark cast strength Um, and my glass is almost empty and we're almost at the end of our first half, but that would show proof to power right there that the weed King of Kentucky here, um, loves his weeded bourbon. The only knock on it, and I already told you this, um, was the bottle itself, but you explained it to me why you guys changed the bottle to lower the price point so more people could enjoy it. Um, I just love that little squatty decanter bottle. It's super beautiful. I actually still have one. It's open. Um. I try to cherish that thing
0: you know it's this was feedback we received directly from the the most professional bartenders who had so much respect for what makers mark stood for that wanted more flavor through proof and a cast strength whiskey that they could choose in their signature cocktails so so you know strength bourbon is not for everybody it, at a lower barrel entry proof Maker's Mark from whiskey novices through the more sophisticated palates, I think, can all appreciate the founding vision that's reflected in every single drop of our Cast Strength Maker's Mark. But this was this was direct feedback from from great bartenders that wanted to showcase a Cast Strength bourbon in their signature Old fashioned Old Fashions. Well, that's pretty awesome. I think you know you you
2: got that. Um, it just. It's still great bourbon. The bottle doesn't make the bourbon. You could have the beautiful label on there. You could have that red wax. You could have all that, um, you know, great name on there. But when it really boils down to it, it's what's
0: inside that bottle, right? It's what's inside the bottle. And, you know, we, we want to listen to our customers. And through the pandemic one of the groups that we have such a deep relationship with that's been so terribly impacted are the the independent restaurant community of bartenders and servers and i will never forget it because it was middle march a year ago when the governor of kentucky made the very difficult decision to to temporarily suspend on-premise accounts bars and restaurants And Chef Edward Lee, who's so highly regarded in culinary circles, has a signature restaurant in downtown Louisville called 610 Magnolia. And that very night, we were able to partner with Chef Edward Lee, some of his team members, to transition his his restaurant into a relief center. And one of the other bottles we have here on the table stands for that higher purpose that our team is so very proud of which is in their time of need, we were able to serve the independent restaurant community and take the higher purpose that Ed Lee led um, from one single location in one city to 22 locations. And I think to the, since the pandemic has unfolded, Makers Mark and other partners have been able to provide the resources to provide several million meals to bartenders, servers, and their families.
2: I actually have one of those community bottles. It's called the Community Batch. Um,
0: It's the first time we've ever barrel vatted. Jane Bowie, who is our director of innovation and our team, worked with 30 or more leading restaurants who had each created unique expressions of maker's mark through the private select custom barrel program and celebrating unity of the industry through barrel vatting each of those unique combinations for a higher purpose. And every single dollar that was part of this release went to the cause. And I think it's the only time in the history of our industry where 100% of the proceeds and the dollars associated from the customers went to the cause. And this one release was able to to generate, I think, $1.3 million for, for the Lee Initiative, which we're really proud of and you know, celebrating whiskey in a way that points out to that higher purpose.
2: Yeah. It's not all about stuff in your pockets with dollar bills, right? It's Given back to that community, the people that actually serve that bourbon to the people—they were hurting in the pandemic. All the businesses got shut down, not just here in Kentucky, but throughout the United States, throughout the world, and stuff. And um, at a time when I'm sure that it also hurt your guys's business, you gave back, and that says uh, it's a testament to your your family name and to the distillery itself. Well, Rob, we're up on the first half. Um, some great bourbon. I'm expecting we'll get some more nice stuff on the second half. Um, And we're going to talk about your family's home in Samuels, Kentucky. It is a Samuels house. And you guys have turned it in not to an Airbnb or to a bed and breakfast, but to a place people can stay. They can uh, rent it and uh, stay here on the bourbon trail and be part of history.
0: For us, it's, it's where everything started And we've been blessed to to be pretty good guardians of the family heirlooms of 240 years of whiskey making here in Kentucky. And what would it look like to bring out some of the most important pieces so that when bourbon lovers would make that pilgrimage to Kentucky, not just walking through a museum type experience, but be totally immersed in in the most pivotal moments in this this legacy of whiskey making as part of um, experiencing Kentucky culture
2: well listeners hang with us and you'll get to hear that story there's some great history of that house um some great stories um some great makers mark stories and uh you'll get to hear all that on the second half we'll be right back
1: Hey, listeners, just a quick reminder that the Bourbon Road has been selected as a finalist in the People's Choice Awards on Discover Pods. We would love to have your vote, and we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you. So just go to thebourbonroad.com slash vote, click on the link, and follow the instructions from there. We'd love to have your vote. We appreciate your support, and thank you so much for uh, believing in us and voting for us.
2: All right, listeners, we are back here at Maker's Mark Distillery. Man, I am, I'm just, I'm beyond myself. The Weedy King, Kentucky, sitting in here really with the Weedy Kings of Kentucky. Um, some of the best bourbon on the face of the earth. And what does Rob Samuels pour for me? Our 2020 uh, Bourbon of the Year, which was 46 cast strength. Now, listeners, if you don't know... 46 was the first bourbon released by Maker's Mark in over 46 years. Uh, and then the cast strength mm. came out to honor
0: my father, B- Bill Samuels, Jr. My my father, Bill Samuels, is, uh, is a trained aerospace engineer, if you can believe that. He studied at uh, Berkeley. And got his graduate degree in physics and there was this bit of a controversial moment when he was studying under one of the founders of NASA and he and his little business cohort actually accidentally shot off a rocket inside of a building (laughs) not intentional but that was his last day ever as an aerospace engineer and he would uh, not long after come back work alongside my grandparents in the late 1960s he was um, president and CEO of Maker's Mark for four decades And as he was nearing retirement, thinking about his legacy and the founding vision of his parents, my grandparents, um, up until that point, I think Maker's Mark was the only distillery, maybe in the world, to only make one product. As you know, so many bourbon distilleries make many, many different brands, line extensions, different variants. And our team here was obsessed year after year of staying consistent and true to the founding vision. And I'll never forget it because it was not long after I had returned to Kentucky, began to work alongside my father and the Maker's Mark team. He started exploring the idea of creating his perfect expression of who Maker's Mark could be. And in many ways, we started to break down the organoleptic flavor cl- camps that defined who Maker's Mark is at Cash drink straight in the barrel. And he was very specific in wanting to figure out a way to accentuate the baking spices that live within Maker's Mark. He was he was talking about this idea of a bigger, bolder expression of who Maker's Mark could become, a little more vanilla intensity and he began um, exploration with the Boswells, who have made our bourbon barrels for three generations. Their cooperage here in Kentucky is nine miles up the road from us. And Brad, who's a third generation barrel maker, on his business card, it actually says wood chef, not, not CEO, but his, his passion is flavor exploration from oak. And at one time with the Boswells, we had more than a hundred different experiments underway at the same time, different wood finishing concepts and everything was pretty damn good where if you would have been with us and we, you know, went into the warehouse, were opening barrels, you know, you would have been smiling because everything was, was really nice, but he was waiting for the wow as he described it. And the wow came when um, we tasted fully mature makers, Mark just over six years old. And that cast strength maker's mark having been finished with 200-year-old French oak that was seared in a proprietary way with radiant heat and then coming together at 52 degrees or cooler. Um, and that finishing process, he thought, delivered against that taste vision. So 46 is, uh, is a nod to that specific proprietary finishing stave um, from, from French oak. And much like my grandparents, this uh, this whiskey was not inspired by marketing or an agency, but was at the center was a was a flavor vision. So to celebrate that legacy, we decided with great pride to actually two years ago release his expression of 46, but at a cash strength.
2: The nose on this thing is just fabulous. I mean, it, there's nothing else to say about it. It, it is you take maker's mark add a little bit more spice to it, a little bit full more floral, pour some caramel in, pour some chocolate in, pour in some oak, and, and you got a m- amazing bourbon. It's all there.
0: It is and it's got it's got the weight and the body, uh more viscosity that he was uh seeking and it has a longer finish without t- taking it all the way to the very back of the palate.
2: Well, let's let's drink this sucker. Cheers. Mm. Now, you've kind of started something new. You got this house built in
0: 1790. We think the house was built in in 1820 and it was it was my namesake Robert Samuels who had originally made whiskey for Washington's revolutionary army. His son Robert would bring a 60 get that 60 gallon still with him when he would Uh, leave uh, Pennsylvania after the Whiskey Rebellion and settled on a land grant in what would become known as Samuels, Kentucky. And his son, John Samuels, built this Georgian-style house in 1820. And the house was in our family for 140 years or thereabouts. We had two working distilleries within walking distance of the house. And um, the house, for whatever reason, got away from, from our family in the early 1950s And it was I'd always heard about this house because beyond the legacy of of eight generations of whiskey making here in central Kentucky, we wanted to celebrate the legacy of the family and our connections to the James Gang, which my four great grandfather, T.W. Samuels, who had created the T.W. Samuels Distillery. He was the first generation that had commercially created a distillery and a unique brand. His first cousin, Reuben Samuels, was married to Frank and Jesse James's mother. So Reuben Samuels was Frank and Jesse James's stepdad. And coming out of the Civil War in 1865, um, Frank and Jesse James and many of their, their group would spend quite a lot of time here in central Kentucky. And there was an organized surrender that happened in September of 1865. And it was Wilson Samuels, T.W. Samuels, my four great-grandfather, who was the whiskey maker. He was also the high sheriff of Nelson County. And they were able to organize a formal surrender, which took place in the front yard of the Samuels house in 1865. And he was later pardoned. So to go through all of the family legacy pieces and bring them all out and share them for the first time with bourbon lovers, history lovers that want to... You know, make the pilgrimage to Kentucky and as part of how they experience the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, be surrounded by that legacy, which includes that actual Frank James pistol is is displayed in the central hall of uh, of the Samuels house. The pardon is on display. And then it was Wilson Samuels, two of his daughters actually married James gang members and they stayed for a period of time on the third floor of this house. And the escape hatch that they had cut into the roof, should the law ever move in, is still in existence. And um, Bud and Donnie Pence, the brothers that married the Wilson, Wilson Samuels daughters, they were two of the most wanted men in the region. Um, they at one point actually had to, they went back to Missouri and would return. And I think it was Donnie Pence who would, who would replace T.W. Samuels in the late 1800s as the sheriff.
2: Wow, man! They, their first bank robbery was in Russellville, Kentucky, not too far away, really. Um, but your family tied to that, uh, to outlaws, really. It's just, it's just amazing that all that history is there. But we now spent, people can stay
0: there, right? They can stay there. The house has just immense character in its own right. It is like stepping back in time. Foundationally, there's been zero settling. We added some modern um, comforts through a bit of a renovation, but we wanted to preserve the character and the authenticity of the house. So when folks would travel to Kentucky, they would be able to spend time in the house. We have three couples actually staying for four nights this week. And we've added, um, you know, there was no central heat and air in the house, which we added. The original outhouse is still on the property. It's actually a three seater. But we added uh, some modern bathrooms, modern comforts that the the bourbon traveler would be really interested in. The kitchen is surrounded by um, 200 year old um, brick. There's, it's a modern chef's kitchen, so you can prepare dinner for your group there in the house. We've uh, we've brought out two. Stephen Powell glass art pieces, Stephen Powell, for those of you that are familiar with Stephen's legacy, one of the more prominent celebrated artists here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, and his only ever commissioned artwork in the history of his career was for us. And we brought out two of his glass installations in the parlor. We've brought out um, many of the stories and some family pieces that tell the story of 240 years of whiskey making here in the in Kentucky. We actually have the authentic record that Robert Samuels had distilled in 1771 in Pennsylvania. We brought out um, the actual deep fryer where my grandfather, my grandmother, had demonstrated to uh, to my grandfather this idea of celebrating handmade through individual human hand dipping of each and every bottle in red wax, some of her pewter collection that was the inspiration for the name, and making a mark as a craftsman on a handmade whiskey, Um, commissioned a beautiful portrait of my grandmother that's over the, uh, the mantle, and then bring out 70 or more bottles of whiskey that span 160 years of whiskey making. So you have this really prominent bar in the parlor. Um, We we secured these beautiful tufted leather sofas where you can imagine sipping on a glass of cash strength 46 surrounded by, you know, Margie's uh, deep fryer and the pewter collection. We have, I had this, I found this collection of pieces in my grandfather's closet just after he'd passed away. And we brought out some of the pieces that meant the most to him. And there was a personalized picture of, uh, of Jerry beam to my grandfather and the close knit industry that he so cherished. Um, so we brought out that picture of, uh, of Jerry beam, we brought out, um, his two closest friends in life were Jerry beam and Pappy Van Winkle. So we actually, I found a distilling guide that dates back to 1810. That was on site at the Stitzel-Weller Distillery that my grandfather um, had been gifted by um, Pappy Van Winkle. Do you do you
2: think that uh, friendship with Pappy Van Winkle? had any influence on uh, your grandfather and grandmother deciding to go with a weeded bourbon?
0: I mean, even to this day, one of the really special aspects of bourbon is the industry is so close. Yes, we compete on a certain level, but we work together for the betterment of bourbon and what it can mean for Kentucky. And that was that was certainly true back in my grandfather's day. He He lived the majority of his life on Whiskey Row in Bardstown. His closest friends were all of, the uh the industry leaders and here in this very conference room we celebrate those relationships i mean here on the wall top left is uh is a picture of pappy van winkle one of the photos we framed and displayed in the samuels house is a picture from from pappy van winkle's 75th birthday party but he was he was very close to the shapiro's was close to the beams elmo beam was there had been the the master distiller at the tw samuels distillery and my grandparents actually brought him out of retirement, and he he was our first master distiller. So we celebrate um, those were releg- like those legacies and the relationships that helped contribute to who Maker's Mark would become. Well, still it shows
2: it really that much hasn't changed today because the families, um, the bourbon industry still stays really close. Um, we we're talking in a break about your grandmother and her really being. I would consider her the first lady of bourbon, right? And she was also the first woman inducted to Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame, which is just an honor bestowed on the very highest in the industry, right? <clears throat> um, is I'm sure a lot of people in that room that night were so honored just to be there to see that happen
0: and stuff. I'll never forget it because I had the honor of, of accepting – Her Bourbon Hall of Fame nomination on behalf of the family and Fred Minnick, who is uh, so highly respected, deservedly so, he was part of her induction and he had written the book Whiskey Women celebrating female leadership within the industry. And he had suggested to the group that day as part of her nomination that, in his opinion, Margie Samuels might be the most underappreciated figure in the history of whiskey And one of the ways we honor her legacy is literally with a with a glass of whiskey in hand, just as you arrive to the Maker's Mark distillery as a guest, you start the experience on top of the hill overlooking the valley um, where they would build the distillery. And that's where she had the vision to think differently about what the place could be. And distilleries had almost always been designed by engineers who would who would who would obsess over optimizing function. And she said that if the place would celebrate the values of his handmade bourbon, that the place would become the soul. And they just, they didn't like marketers. I mean, they thought traditional marketing, this idea of screaming the loudest to connect with a guest was almost rude. And there's no more endearing way to connect with a friend than to have them to your home. So she envisioned and designed every single aspect of the distillery the Victorian village, the the dark brown um, color scheme to celebrate the color of the whiskey, the cream trim around the doors to celebrate that we we print and hand tear every single label that's ever been on a bottle, and then celebrating the finished handmade touch of hand dipping each bottle through those red shutters with the bottle cut out. But everything we do today, and while Maker's Mark started with humble beginnings, is uh, oftentimes referred to as the first craft distillery in America. Um, every single decision that we make from the innovation and the expressions, including Maker's 46 cash strength, through the experience that we share with our friends, is entirely inspired by our founding vision. Let me ask you this. <clears throat>
2: now We're talking about the house and we're talking about your famous family legacy and uh, all the history that goes into uh, to Maker's Mark. Um, and I always ask this opposite uh, other distilleries that don't have a wheat. Um, and I already know the answer to this, but can you ever see makers Mark having a rye bourbon or a rye whiskey?
0: I don't think you ever say you ever say never. What I would say is makers 46 celebrates spice as the rye whiskeys and the rye bourbons are so interested in, uh, in the flavor intensity through, through spice. But 46 allowed us to to celebrate spice in a way that's very true to our founding vision. And that that is, uh, is something that, that our entire team here is really proud of, because are there a bunch of whiskeys if we were only ever really interested in just what could we do? Sure, there's a lot of things we could go do tomorrow morning if it was about, you know, increasing sa- sales in the short term. Um, but what should we do? And built on while my grandparents were not commercial people and they didn't have necessarily the business ambition that a lot of people do when they start something, they built one hell of a foundation. And one of the ways we stay true to that is only releasing expressions that are pioneering in the way Makers was when it was first shared here in Kentucky. Um, There is groundbreaking research underway right now across truly let's understand where flavor comes from. And what is nature's influence on the whiskey we make through partnering with academia on flavor exploration through oak? The mother oak, um, the University of Kentucky is actually mapping the reference genome of American white oak for the first time. So to think about a long term hundred year vision of until the end of time, every American white oak tree will always be benchmarked against that 400 year old mother oak here on Star Hill Farm. And then what's the what's the influence of farming practices on the flavor potential within grain and farm to table chefs and the agricultural community have hypothesis, but it's really never been proven. Um, Just this uh, growing season, we had 35 different varietals of modern wheats that we have grown here on on site of Star Hill Farm, working with soil scientists. And it's really energizing for our team. Not just to imagine whiskeys of the future that have that pioneering uh, foundation, but serving a higher purpose and everything we learn about sustainability of nature, we you know we you know we're sharing with uh, with the industry.
2: So you you hit it on the nail on the head there with the spice and the forty six, and that's um, what a rye drinker or a rye bourbon drinker would want. In the 46 and the 46 cast drink, that spice is a little bit sweeter, but. Does it ever have a It's like uh, like my co-host Jim always says it's pop rocks rolling across your tongue? You know, as a kid, you got those pop rocks and I'm assuming mean you're about the same age or somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. So I know you know what pop rocks mm-hmm. are as a kid. We get those and you put them on here and it just kind of pops. And that's what 46 does is gives you that just enough spice to where it's not overpowering. It's not going to kill your palate, but it reminds you, hey, I'm a Kentucky bourbon. And I'm here to stay and I'm going to be long in my finish um, and I'm going to make you want more of me.
0: I actually have the tasting notes that my father articulated so clearly in the beginning as he started tinkering with different concepts. And it was exactly as you just described. It was, let's create a bigger, bolder expression. Let's make um, more weight, a little more um, body, um, enhance the viscosity that lives naturally within Maker's Mark. And then flavor exploration through um, my grandmother's um, spice cabinet. I thought you were about to say he wrote Pop Rocks on there. (laughs) (laughs) That would
2: have been pretty cool. I think everybody knew what you mean, which is is
0: what's most important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So let's get back to this house. Mm -hmm. So some couples come in, they rent the house out. They get to see all that great history, get to stay in a beautiful home. Does that come included with tours and some dinners. And- for, the,
0: for the first few groups that make a reservation, like I'm actually hosting a group today, three couples that traveled here into Kentucky um, from outside the Commonwealth. And I love sharing the distillery with our groups. And that's, that's what's really exciting is, you know, I can remember working here at the distillery and it always seemed like we had a lot of guests, but the level of interest is so much higher than it ever was. And and, you know, we're an open book here. You get to experience everything. We're completely transparent. And I get asked all the time with this Samuels family house and bringing out these irreplaceable family legacies. Are you worried about swinging open the doors and letting folks actually, you know, spend the night and spend three or four days together on site in this uh, this legacy family home? And the and the answer is no. I mean, it's very much inspired by Margie's legacy of hospitality. Well,
2: it's probably going to cost you a little bit more than $5 to stay there. I would just imagine. And it's not like it's going to be a college frat party (laughs) Um, to stay there. You are probably going to cost you, I wouldn't say a pretty penny, but it'll cost a little bit because you're buying that history, right? You're not just the home, but the history and the lineage of makers, Mark and the family, the Samuels family goes along that. Um, you know, I do. You set out bottles of whiskey for them to try, or
0: you know, my father, Bill Samuels, can be available to come out for a tasting. And all of the uh, all of those resources are actually donated to the Female Entrepreneurs Program that we created um, and endowed on behalf of my grandmother, Margie Samuels. Chef Newman Miller, who was the chef in residence at Maker's Mark for almost seven years, was featured when Top Chef shot the entire episode here on site at the distillery chef Newman Miller can be available for a paired cocktail dinner and tasting um and it's uh it's a pretty magical place I'm really proud of of what we've created it it very much celebrates and honors the family legacy it it honors the character and the history of the house while also weaving in some really beautiful comfortable, modern comforts.
2: They don't get you to come in and like make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for them (laughs) or anything?
0: We can be available. (laughs) Can you whip up a bean and
2: peanut butter and jelly sandwich?
0: You know what we're leaving for each group? If you've ever had Jake's 150 sausage and there's a local farmer named Holly who has chickens. So every single group we leave a collection of, 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 uh, of items that are of the place. So beyond the whiskey, you can have uh, you can make breakfast from you know from from sausage that's from right here. That's that personal touch you're
2: looking for to have your dad come in and and lead a tasting to have a world renowned chef come in and cook uh, dinner for you, and then have local a local breakfast, some sausage and some some farm fresh eggs. I mean that's. That's real, right? That's that family touch that you're looking for
0: when you go to stay with your family. Hospitality's been at the center of how we've always shared Maker's Mark. And, you know, when you think about what Kentucky means, the, it's all about the people. And the hospitality is something that Kentuckians have always done so well. So it's just been it's been fun for my dad and I to go through, all you know, 240 years of the family legacy and bring out some of the more interesting stories that have never been told before. As an example, my great-grandfather, Leslie Samuels was the owner of the T.W. Samuels Distillery. He was one of the first highway commissioners ever in the history of Kentucky. Um, He was, he actually died. In addition to being uh, the distillery owner, he was mayor of Bardstown and he was part of that central group that helped convince the Rowans to, to help endow um their family estate to be Kintu- to become Kentucky's first state park. So we have a picture of Leslie Samuels on the great lawn of of my old Kentucky home the first morning it became Kentucky's first state park. I have this awesome picture of Leslie Samuels who his closest friend in life was was Jim Beam. And the Beams and the fam- and the Samuels were very very close. Were next door neighbors for the better part of 70 years. And I have this really fun picture of Leslie Samuels on the, at the beach um, with the Beams. And Leslie Samuels is in a three-piece suit. And Jim Beam is in one of those old-time Speedos. <laughs> <laughs> Great photo there. They, had a, they, had a, they, had cre- they were so close and not just next-door neighbors. They had actually created a sidewalk in their backyards that connected their two kitchens. That's how, that's how much time they spent together going back and forth.
2: And is that how you kind of grew up with those families that just everybody kind of intermingled? and
0: You know what I remember is you live the industry. It's not something you ever turn off. And you think about hospitality and the idea of, of opening the doors of our Samuels family legacy home. But I remember my parents, they would host groups for cocktails, you know, three or four nights a week. You know, I had a fundraiser at my house a week before last. So, so this is, this is, uh, this is something we've always done and is, is, is really, really fun for us to bring out the family legacy pieces in a moment in time when, when, what it means to customers is, uh, is so powerful.
2: Yeah. As as we're sitting here, I'm watching tours walk by through the window there. Um, you know, to me, we were talking in the break about hospitality and, How Kentucky is so great at that, how great Kentucky is, is opening her arms uh, to outsiders and saying, come on home to Kentucky and stuff. And that's how me and my wife feel when we moved here. Um, We feel like we're we're at home. People have greeted us. They it's it's a southern thing. It's not something that you can go to college for. Right. It's yes, sir. No, ma'am. Thank you. We'll see you again. Come on back. All those things, butter, butter, your biscuits, whatever you want to say. It's- the people,
0: the people, it's the people that make it matter. Um, and what just this is such an exciting moment to have. We host people every day here that can go anywhere and do anything and are choosing to come to Kentucky and experience the layers of the defining culture of the Commonwealth. Whether it's spending an afternoon at Keeneland, the music, the food, the whiskey and how it all comes together.
2: Well, Rob, man, thank you for your hospitality. You set me down. Uh, you let me come in this amazing room. I'm looking around just at all the history, all the great whiskey in here. I keep looking over at this decanter above your grandfather there. I'm wondering what whiskey that is in that amazing
0: decanter. That's Maker's Mark. And that was the first whiskey award that uh, he ever submitted and thankfully um, received the you know first place recognition. And that uh, that dates back to the To the, to the very late 1970s. Oh man, that to me, to see all this is just amazing to get to
2: hear the story is amazing. And I can't thank you enough for having, uh, the bourbon road in here, um, opening your arms to us, we can't, we can't say thank you enough.
0: Um, well, thanks. Thanks for everything you've done to help provide a really beautiful window into, into whiskey and culture and the stories this has been so much fun for our family to open up our Samuel's family legacy home. We've hired someone who's actually going to to be the uh, the guest relations manager. Her name is Missy, and we've created a website called www.thesamuelshouse.com. But just look forward to folks being able to experience Kentucky through what is a a really really uh, special legacy that we love to to celebrate. Now, where else can they find? Um... The Samuel's house on social media. There's um, the Samuel's house on Instagram and Facebook and and the website. And Missy um, is is available. You know, we have a phone number where folks can call directly and ask any specific questions that they would have. My father's actually he's going out tonight um, to take the group through this, the live storytelling and bring it all alive through hosting them for a session at the house. Well,
2: heck, maybe you'll have the Bourbon Road guys out there one night to, to host a session and stuff. And that would be something awesome. I'd love to do that. Well, Rob, once again, thank you. Um, trust me, hopefully this won't be our last visit to Maker's Mark. Hopefully we can sit down with uh, Denny and, and Jane and uh, talk about the future of, of Maker's Mark and and where else it's going to lead us. And, uh, I'm sure they would love that. Yeah. So listeners, uh, give us a listen. If you want to book that tour, you want to book that, that visit, do it now before you visit. Don't just show up here. Uh, there are some uh, COVID protocols they have to go through to get you in the doors. Those tours book up fast. So make sure you do that. If you want to go to the Samuel's house and stay, check out their website, make sure you make your reservations way in advance. Cause I know they're already booked up for several months. Um, I think it would be awesome if you'd come see me, Big Chief, at the 2022 Kentucky Bourbon Festival and you're staying at the Samuel's (laughs) house. Um, I think that would be pretty awesome. so, you know what we say. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all the places you can do social media. You can find us there. Uh, we'd also like you to become one of our bourbon roadies on Facebook. That's our private Facebook group, 2,300 people strong and growing every day. Um, we've got three easy rules to become a member. You got to be 21. You got to love bourbon. Hell, who don't like bourbon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got to agree to play nice because we just don't tolerate any rudeness. Uh, we want everybody to to get along. If you drink from the bottom of the shelf to the top of the shelf, we want you to celebrate that, celebrate life, celebrate retirement, celebrate birthdays, you name it. We want you to celebrate it, come in there and have a honest discussion with us and have a good time. Um, so check that out. We do two shows a week. We do our craft distillery Mondays. Sometimes we'll do a big boy, but that's about a 20 minute show um, where we just kind of pick apart a bourbon, tell you about it, whether it's worth buying or not. And we go on about our way. The next thing we do is our hour long show. We have great guests on like Rob Samuels on today. It's an hour long show. It'll get you to working back. Um, We want you to listen to that. So to find out how to listen to us or how to get the episodes every day, we want you to scroll on up to the top of that app, hit that check mark, hit that plus sign, hit that subscribe button. That way, you know, the Bourbon Road guys are on. They got a new episode. They got a new guest on. They got a new review on. So we want you to do that. After you do that you want to scroll on down. You know what I'm about to say, right, people? Come on, listeners. We want you to hear, hit that five-star review because you know it'll happen if you don't. The big, bad booty daddy of bourbon is going to come to your house. He'll be hauling some 46 cast drinks, some Maker's Mark cast drink. We're going to drink all night long on some bourbon. By the end of the night, we're going to have two empty bottles And we're going to have a five-star review because you're going to be happy with a bourbon road. We'll have one hell of a conversation. So please give us that five-star review. It opens up doors to distilleries. It gives us great guests. uh, And we can't thank you enough for it. Hey, don't forget to join us on the 21st of October at the Rippy House in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, where we'll be talking about the bourbon boom and how social media and media outlets like podcasts have influenced that bourbon boom. You can also come see us on the 23rd of October in Frankfurt, Kentucky at Bourbon on the Banks. We'll have the Bourbon Road Lounge sponsored by Woodenville Whiskey Company. Come out, hang out with us, have some whiskey with us. We'll have a great time. So you can always reach out to us um, and leave us comments. You can send us emails, Jim at the Bourbon Road, Mike at the Bourbon Road. But the best way to find us is on Instagram. Jim is jsanon63 on Instagram. I'm one big chief, and we'll see you on down the Bourbon Road.